0: Your name marked forever with your signature. Because... Hello.
1: day to day it will never lose its power as its reaches through the highest mountain it flows to the valley me straight from day to day it will never lose its power cause it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the low. Valley, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose. It will never lose. Will we never
0: take
1: for granted? It will never. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory oh, to God. Glory be God. We praise you, God. We give you the glory. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus, oh Lord. Yes. We thank you for the blood. Thank
0: yes, you, Jesus. Please. Thank you. We will worship, the maker
1: of the Almighty God, to you our voices sing, hallowed be. Open my eyes. Let, Let me. me.
0: Here I am to Ooh. worship. Here I am.
2: Thank you, Heavenly Father, for bringing us together in, in your house of worship, Lord. I thank you for protecting us and giving us your grace and mercy this morning, Lord. Thank you for, for everything you've given us, Lord. Thank you for uh, for the friends and family that were able to gather. Some of us weren't and some of us were, Lord. But thank you for everything you've given us, Lord. In the name of Jesus. I uh, <clears throat> i got caught up in worship back there. I forgot the last uh, the song. I'm going to be in uh, Deuteronomy uh, 26, and verses 16 through 18, if you have your Bibles. We were talking in the back about... Uh, about how we're blessed, and how uh, a, lot of, yeah, a lot of us, a lot of us haven't gotten sick. <clears throat> and right, we're blessed. And um, and and just like Linda said, and Margaret said, we're covered. We're covered by the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb. And us, and us doing the best that we can to keep His commandments and trusting in Him and 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 doing the best we can to serve the lord you know the the beginning of all wisdom is the fear of the lord so we want to make sure god is god is happy with the way we live our lives and so us being diligent and living our lives the best that we can man he keeps us he keeps us safe warm and content you know, peace or, peace or famine, the Lord's going to be there, amen? amen? But still, we're covered by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Keeping uh, uh, Deuteronomy 26, uh, starting at verse 16. This is, uh, keep the commandments of the Lord. This day the Lord thy God hath commanded thee to do these statutes. And judgments thou shalt therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thine soul thou hast declared the Lord this day to be thy God and to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and to hearken unto his voice. And the Lord hath affirmed thee this day to be his peculiar people, as he hath promised thee, and that thou shouldest keep all his commandments, and to make thee high above all nations, which he hath made in peace and in name and in honor. And that thou mayest mayest be the holy people unto the Lord thy God as He hath spoken. And uh, every day, every day we thank the Lord for, for giving us this day and giving us giving us this one more opportunity to praise him. I do my praises sometimes during the day, but mostly at and the end of the evening uh you just you just thank the Lord for everything you have you know? and like I said peace or family, the Lord is always going to be there and he's up. Uh, it's beautiful it's beautiful uh will the ushers come up please and uh there are word of the day books in the back <clears throat> and those are you can take those home a lot of us like them and a lot of us don't so if you if you like to read those books, the, the, the word of the day, they're in the back there, right against the tithe and offering book, uh, box. And there's a prayer calendar back there too. Uh, we pray for everybody in the, in the church who has been in the church or, uh, or, uh, it's a calendar. We pray for everybody. Amen. All right. got to pray for everybody. Now the month of December, uh, there's not really any big agenda. Uh, there's not really big anything going on. Just the Wednesday, Wednesday prayer. Uh, we were having a Hanukkah celebration that we discussed for, uh, for, uh, for uh, um, our meeting, our uh, members meeting. And uh, what is it called? Board meeting. Board meeting. Thank you. Jeez Louise. We, we discussed it for the for at the board meeting and uh, yeah, just the the, the COVID thing, uh, just and you know, it's just not gonna happen. I was I was I was informed this morning that it's not gonna happen. But uh, but I have a scripture for tithes and offerings. What's up? That's a that's always the best, and it is. Just one second. I had it. And if I can't find it, I'll beat myself up later. Jeez Louise. Anyway, it was in Deuteronomy. It's the first fruits. Give your first fruits unto the Lord. And he will bless you with everything that you need. Amen. 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 Casey. Stretch your hands forward for the tithes and offerings, please. Heavenly Father, bless these ties and offerings. Thank you for giving us so that we we're able to give to you. And let it bless this church and 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 bless the congregation as well, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.
3: Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Albert. So just a clarification on that Hanukkah, uh, Teresa and I did uh, discuss this, although the board had approved it and uh, Teresa and I for the last few days have been going over it. um, It just wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same. Uh, Last year we had goodness about 50 and it's not about numbers, I realize that, Um, but um, we we decided that uh, it'd be best not to have it this year. Um, so, you know hopefully next year we'll be past all this, and um, everything that we missed this year. Uh, we're gonna make it twice as good uh, next year. Uh, but according to some scientists and Dr. Fauci, this could go on through twenty one let me ask you people uh, uh, you know we're we're a small congregation, okay, and every comment that you make, I hear up here. <laughs> So I would appreciate if you keep your comments uh, on the low, keep them low. Not only that, um, now that we're live streaming, people are hearing it live stream as well, and they're wondering, what is all. what are all those comments being said? And so I uh, appreciate your thoughts, I really do, but uh, uh, it, it just, um, sometimes it makes it a little difficult um, while I'm up here. So stand up real quick, stand up, turn around. Wave it to everybody, and uh, this will be our greeting this morning. So once again, I certainly hope that, uh, and amen, amen. Well, I trust that every one of you had a um, wonderful, wonderful uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, trust that you all had a good meal, and uh, well, uh, I know that ours was very, very quiet. You know, in spite of all the restrictions and all the... Uh, uh, everything that they put on us this year, uh, we, we still had a good, um, basically it was a, a very, um, very different, I, I've got to say that, um, from, um, from the past years. Uh, uh, Teresa and I went to uh, uh, Marianne's, uh, Bob, Jacqueline, spend a few hours there, and then we went to uh, our daughter and spent a few hours there. Um, I do have to say that I probably ate a little bit too much. Anybody do the same thing out there, ate a little bit too much? um yeah so i had to pull out the tums one evening <laughs> uh that helped me get through the night but um uh, other than that um it, it was it was okay uh, i i can say that uh, but as far as uh blessings from the lord that's always just incredible. It's great. It's wonderful. God continues. You know what? We didn't dismiss the kids. Kids, you are dismissed. They're looking at me like, hey, can we get out of here? (laughs) Sorry about that, kids. Um, Yeah, they're looking at me like, hey, do we have to sit in here and listen to this old man? (laughs) uh, But nonetheless, God is good. Amen. You know, I've got, uh, I've got quite a bit of time here and I'm not about here to stand up here and, and preach to you for an hour and a half. Um, I don't think that I could. So I'm going to ask, is there anyone here that has a special, um, testimony that li- they'd like to share with us? Marshall, come on up here or you can stay there. I'll just come to you and I'll, I'll bring you the mic.
4: Nephew that I lost, uh, or that we lost two days ago. He had what they call a grandma seizure, and then he had an aneurysm in his brain. He was uh, 39 years old. He was a chief petty officer in the Navy and uh, got two beautiful daughters, 18 and 17 years old. And nobody expected anything. (coughs) And, uh, been on the phone all day yesterday and this morning with the relatives and different people that are reaching out. They, they didn't expect it. And, uh, but I just got a message from my sister-in-law thanking me for, um, calling her. She said it helped a lot. And, uh, she just lost uh, my baby brother. It's been 15 years ago, the dad of this one. So that's two of them in her family. But I just wanted y'all to please pray for all of them because they're they're finding it very rough. But uh, what can I say? Pray for us too. Pray for Irene. She's She's hurting bad. That was uh, one of her favorites.
3: So Father, we do stand with Marshall, Irene, and uh, this family. It's a very tough time to lose someone during these holidays and so God, we release the power of your spirit into their lives, comfort, strength. Be with them, Father. Just remind them that you are. You love them, that you care for them, that you will be with them uh, during this time. So, Father, we pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, many of you may not have heard, but Don, Don was taken to the hospital um, by ambulance. Uh, Don was in—he's at Spanish Trails um, Nursing Facility, and I believe it was a Saturday. He was taken by ambulance, um, not able to breathe. Um, he was in a COVID unit there because he had tested positive. Uh, I thought that he had already gone through all that. Apparently he hadn't. So I, I did speak with Jay, uh, his son, and uh, all he could tell me was that uh, he's at the hospital. He hasn't heard anything else. Uh, so, Father, we do trust right now that uh, you're, you're ministering to Don as well. Father, I pray over him. I pray, God, that you uh, your will be done. Your will be done in his life. Father, I pray this in your name. Amen. You know, sometimes it's... Don is uh, he's 80 80 something now. Uh, When was the last time we saw Don in services a little over two years ago. Uh, In the last two, two and a half years has uh, been in and out of the hospital in and out of nursing facilities. Um, The man is the man is tough. He's been through so so much. But You know, when you get to that age and your quality of life, and this may not sound very well to you. But I think that the best thing to do is pray God, he's ready to go home. He's ready to go home. He has absolutely no quality of life right now. And um, I know that if it were me, I would rather say, God, take me home uh, because it's been two and a half years. Uh, And uh, I saw him probably a month ago and uh, he looked, uh, he looked okay. Uh, But when you get to that point, it's really, really tough. Um, And so um, you know, if, if you don't agree with my prayer, I, I totally understand. Um, I, I even think that Jay, his own son, would ask that we pray that way because he's had to make the decisions uh, and it lays real, real heavy on him. Uh, not that it makes it easier, but... I think that if I saw my dad in that condition, I would pray, God, take him home. Take him home because he's just been through so, so much. So anyone else here have a testimony you'd like to share with us? Yes, yeah, Sister Lupita. Let me give you this so everybody can hear. I know people get nervous with this scene, but we love to hear what you have to say.
0: I want to praise the Lord because we
4: just became great-grandparents again. Our, our, 14th, our 14th one. 50. 50 15 grandchildren and 14 great-grandchildren. So I just want to praise the Lord for
3: that. You know, this couple doesn't even look old enough to have grandkids, do they?
0: (laughs) I just want to praise the Lord. I missed all of you so much, and I'm so glad to be back. We went to California, and then from there we went to Lake Tahoe, and then back to California. And we're going to be going again on the 7th to to see my daughter. She's going to have surgery, so pray for her. So God bless.
3: Thank you, Debbie. And uh, yes, Debbie and Kenneth. and um, Oh, she, uh, that's right, Karen. <laughs> so another a new great-grandson? Wow, himself. So. You know, God did say uh, be fruitful and multiply and that's what's happening. So that's always good. (laughs) Kenneth, Debbie and uh, Becky, we miss you guys. And um, wow, Lake Tahoe. um, Great place to be at. Um, But I do have um, um, When did you get in? Monday, Tuesday? Monday was, uh, so we have a special room in the back for you to quarantine because we just want to be super, super careful. Just kidding. guys. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) We're glad you're in here with us. And so, so yeah, we're going to put you in that back room for 14 days and uh, (laughs) uh, they're good. They're good. They would know if there was something there. So uh, praise God. Good to have you guys back. And, uh, well, you'll be leaving in a couple weeks again, won't you? And so your daughter's name is Janae. So, Father, we stand with Debbie Kenneth uh, concerning Janae. Lord, you see the surgery that she's about to undergo. And so, God, we release your healing power into her body. And uh, we pray for the doctors and we pray for the nurses and everyone involved in this. God, we trust that you're going to direct their hands to the skill that you've given them. Father, they're able to perform this uh, surgery, and Lord, uh, she will recover quickly. And Father, they will correct, correct what is wrong with the body. So Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We pray, Father, for a quick recovery from all of this. God, we pray this in your name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. One more. One more person has a testimony they would like to share with us. Anybody? Yes, Margaret. David, amen, right, Georgia is not a very safe place to be at right now with everything that's going on, David is over there, right, right, and so who knows what can happen when Trump goes over there to, to campaign for those two uh, that are running for the Senate, so Father right now in Jesus' name. We trust that you are going to surround David. Father, we pray for that hedge of protection, God guarding angels that will not allow any any danger to approach him. Father, uh, Lord, you're going to stop anything that would try to uh, uh, come against him. And Father, we pray for our president as well that will be going to Georgia. God, we pray for any unrest, any uh, plans that the enemy might have. Father, right now we pray that those will be destroyed, God, and that they will not come through with it. But Father, we pray that our president is able to go there and do what he wants to do, and that is campaign for those two senators. And Father, we just thank you and we give you praise. Father, we pray this in your name. Amen and amen. All right. Well, we're going to go to the book of Galatians. so this morning, I want to get away from um, I want to get away from all politics, elections, get away from everything, and um, how many of you are ready to just hear the word, read the word along with me, and receive from the Word of God? You ready for that? Amen. I think we all are. Um, I know that we still have some very, very troubled times ahead of us, uh, but I will just say this: they're only going to get worse. <laughs> Uh, Not any better because the closer we approach to the day of uh, the trumpet trumpet sounding, um, it's just going to get tougher and tougher and tougher for all of us. You know what? I am waiting. I'm anxiously waiting to the day that I do hear that trumpet and we're raptured out of here. I think we're all at that point right now. Uh, I, I think that many of us, we do pray even so, even so, come quickly, Lord. Um, and so, you know, not, not knowing the hour, not knowing uh, when all this is going to happen, all we can do, and I trust that we're doing this, all we can do is be ready. Be ready for that day. Uh, you know, I do worry uh, about some of my family. I worry about some of my nieces, nephews. They've heard the gospel. I, I, I don't think there's a, a nephew or a niece that has not heard the gospel. Um, and so I, I worry about them that they haven't made the decision to surrender their lives. And the closer we get to that time of the rapture taking place, I worry about them uh, because there's a very, very, very good possibility that they will get left behind. And uh, I I wouldn't want any of my nieces or nephews, and I think you feel the same way, that you wouldn't want any of your family to be left behind, uh, because um, what we are facing today is nothing compared to what the tribulation is going to be like. Uh, And it's going to be very, 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 very bad. Um, And so, but I can can hardly wait until I'm raptured out of here. And for the simple reason that it will be at that point, that I will, when I'm up in the air and I cross over the pearly gates, that I'm going to receive a glorified body. Can you imagine that? A glorified body. We don't have to worry about any more pain when we get that glorified body. There will be no more tears, no more uh, suffering. It's just going to be a glorious time in the presence of the Lord. And so, yes, I think that when I cross the pearly gates, Uh, I'm anxious to see his face I'm anxious to be in his presence forever and forever and forever even when we come back to the New Jerusalem we're gonna be there with our Lord Jesus Christ and so but to receive that glorified body uh, and like I said the the first thing I want to do is see my Lord my Lord and Savior but the other thing is that I'm gonna be so so grateful is that I don't have to deal with the flesh anymore (laughs) The flesh that I think every one of us, we deal with it on a daily basis. Now, some of you do a lot better than others. Uh, and I, I'll be honest with you that I do uh, struggle with my flesh every once in a while in certain areas, in certain areas, and I think that that's what I want to deal with this morning. Uh, because we see a lot of things that are happening that are causing, and the Bible tells us that in the last days there will be a great falling away. And I think the great falling away has a lot to do with the fact that, uh, you know, uh, we, we read in the word where it says, uh, God is not slack concerning his promise, he's not slack. But some of us have been waiting for years, Uh, in my case, uh, 45, 46, 47 years that I've been waiting, okay? And we knew that probably 40 years ago or, you know, even uh, 30 years ago, it appeared that things were happening so quickly that we thought, man, the rapture is going to take place any day now. If you remember 1988 was a year that people thought the rapture was just right around the corner, and here we are many, many years later. 2000, remember Y2K? Oh my goodness, the paranoia that was out there. People were, Buying, and I'm talking about Christians, they're buying generators or buying freeze-fried uh, fried, uh, freeze-dried food to put away uh, just in case. And what happened when the clock turned 12.01 on Y2K? absolutely nothing that everybody was talking about. They were talking about all this chaos. Oh, you shouldn't be on the streets because if you're on the streets, all the lights are going to go crazy and you might have this or you might have that. And so, uh, and I think many of us, we, we, we fell for it. We were listening to it and we said, oh no, we were kind of waiting anxiously for Y2K to see what would happen. And here it is, what, 20 years later after Y2K. Can you believe that 20 years later? Oh, my. And so it's just um, uh, it, it seems like it's it's uh, it's taking too long. And right now we're talking about it again. We're talking about any time now things are going to change. And so that's where I'm looking forward to it so that I can get rid of this flesh here uh, that I deal with on a, on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be real honest with you. Um, these uh, I, I went to Walmart. I think it was Friday morning. Uh, I had a prescription that uh, I needed to be uh, needed to be picked up, and uh, so I knew that the uh, pharmacy didn't open until nine o'clock, and, and I had been going through there. Um, during the week, but the line was just ridiculous, and I was not going to stand in that line. Uh, But Friday came along, and I needed to have my prescription by Friday. If not, they're going to put it back. And so I told Teresa, I said, I'm going to go, I'll I'll stand in line, and I'll get in, I'll get my prescription. So I got there at eight o'clock, and the line was already beginning to form. And I was probably 50, 60 people behind the front doors. And so I waited very, very, very patiently When I walked out of the door, I made up my mind. There's going to be a line and I'm going to be very patient. And I was, I didn't have no problems with my flesh at that point, none whatsoever. And so I get up close to the door and there's a big sign on the door that says that the pharmacy doesn't open till 10 o'clock. And I thought, oh no. So I asked the lady that was in the, the, the front door, I says, ma'am, I says, is the pharmacy not open at 10 o'clock today? Oh, she says, no, no, that's just for the, that was just for the, for, for Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. She says, let me go check. And she, she goes in and she comes back out and uh, she says, no, 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 no. She says, don't worry about it. They're, they're, they'll, they'll, uh, uh, they'll be opening up uh, at nine o'clock. And then I asked, she says, do I have to wait in this line just to get my prescription? She says, no. She says, you go up and drive up to one of these, uh, there's a big uh, number there. And she's just call them and they'll bring it out to you. Well, I know that for the next one. Uh, So I was there, I was close to the door and finally I get in and the first place I go to is a pharmacy and guess what, the gates are closed. So it wasn't open at nine o'clock like they said. Needless to say I had some things to pick up and I had uh, had, um, um, some time to kill. I'm still good, my flesh is still under control. And so uh, I'm just walking around and, and I'm walking around and I'm in the produce, produce department, right? And guess what? I'm the only one right there in that whole section. The only one. I went to the back where the dairy's at and I even called Teresa and says, guess what, babe? I'm back here where the milk is at. I'm the only one back here. There was 50, 60 feet between every customer in there. We were on top of each other outside the building but there was plenty of space between us inside the building. So you can imagine what 75 people looks like in a warehouse that will hold up to 600. It doesn't make any sense. So I, I says, okay, I'm gonna shop for this. And so I went and got in line at um, the pharmacy that was already a line forming there. And so I get there and um, there was uh, about two minutes till 10 and the gates are still closed. So finally at 10 o'clock the pharmacist shows up and she says, oh my, there's already a line forming. And I'm thinking, you should have been here at 9.30, making sure everything is ready to go. So already I'm starting to just a little bit with my flesh getting a little bit out of control. And so she peeks out the door and she says, as soon as my technicians get here, we will open up. And I felt at that moment like starting to shout. Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Ten o five. One of the technicians walks up. They finally open the gate, and they're back there talking, getting their computer going. They're just working at it. It was ten fifteen by the time. I got up to the front to get my prescription. I go up to my, I says, I give my name, my, 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 uh, birthday everything. Oh, we only have one ready. I'm still under control. It's still good. So I asked her, I says, how soon can I get my other one? The one that I really needed. And the pharmacist yells at her, yells at her we're not filling any prescriptions today. We're shorthanded. So I asked her, says, well, when can I get my prescription filled? She says, I don't know. I don't know, because I don't think we'll be feeling any. This is Friday, uh, on Saturday. <clears throat> so I left with one prescription. And I still had maintained a good control of my flesh. I really had. So yesterday, Teresa and I are out and about, We're out and about, and she needed to go to the Dollar Tree right down here. And so we walk in, and there's a guy standing at the door, and he's not doing, he's not security or anything. He's not doing anything. He's just, he's not even counting. So we go in there. We do a little bit of shopping. So we get in line, and I kid you not, the line for the, to, to, to cash out was all the way down the aisle and around the back of the store. And they had one cashier working. And I will guarantee you that Dollar Tree, the capacity of that store is probably 100. 25% of that would be what? 25 people, correct? There were well over 60, 70 people in that store. Somebody was not counting. Well, Teresa's uh, cousin works there. And so she asked uh, Dorothy, Dorothy, aren't you guys going to open some other uh, cashiers? Oh, they're going to open some in just a little bit. We waited another 10 minutes in line. Now, at this point, my wife is very, very controlled. But you can sense the breathing inside of me. So I look over and I see where they open two others. But guess what happens when they two us open to others? Everybody runs over to those two others and we're still in the same place. Oh my. We finally got out of there. The flesh, we deal with it every day. You deal with it in different areas of your life. And you know what? It's here to stay until we're raptured out of here and we have a glorified body. That we don't have to deal with this anymore, and I think I want to deal with this this morning because it's a very, very—it's uh, a problem that is so real that sometimes I think we ignore. And I, I believe it's a problem that affects the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, in a way that sometimes we don't even realize it. So I want to go to Galatians chapter five. I'll start right there with Galatians, and Paul Paul writes plenty about it uh, about uh, the flesh. Galatians chapter five, and um, let me let me read. um, Where is chapter five? Let me start reading with verse uh, with verse chapter five. Let me start reading with verse sixteen. I say then, walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now let me ask you this, as before I go further. How difficult is it to walk in the Spirit? Sometimes it is very difficult to walk in the Spirit. I believe that we are closer to walking in the Spirit when we gather together as a, uh, as a body and, and we're able to worship God. I, I mean, yeah, we're able to because we're, we're, our minds are on spiritual things. Uh, our minds are on worshiping God. Our minds are on honoring God during this time. I've said it many times that when we come together on a Sunday morning, we are at our best behavior. I mean, if you walk in here really angry, and it was obvious that the flesh was over, uh, was, was controlling you, and you walk in here, I think that the majority of uh, the people would realize, and they would probably say, stay away from that person, because he walked in here very angry this morning. Now, the thing is, things can happen at home that will make you angry. Your wife says something, and Ooh, that just sets things off. You're driving to church and your hands are on the steering wheel and she's trying to say something. And on the inside, you're just boiling mad. You give her that look. You drive up to the parking lot. You get out of the car. And all of a sudden, that look. You have a smile. But on the inside, you're burning up. And it's something that you really can't, unless you're really, really good at it, you can't hide that. It, 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 starts, it starts expressing itself. Good morning, brother. What's so good about it? I'm sorry. But, good morning, sister. Good morning. It, it begins to express itself. So sometimes it is. I think that when you're driving down the road and you're all by yourself, the best thing you can do is put on some good Christian worship music and be driving along and just sing along or just listen to it because it's at that moment that you can just start knowing that you are walking in the Spirit. You can even drive up to somebody in the front of you that's there for a few seconds on a green light and you don't even worry about blowing your horn or anything. You're just sitting there and you're just enjoying the presence of God. I think that many times you wake up in the morning and, and the first thing you do is that you're going to seek the Lord. You go find yourself a place. You read the word and you begin to pray and you begin to just worship God in your own way. And you know you understand that, that your spirit is driving you and those around you will sense that it's your spirit that's driving you. That spirit that that desires fellowship with God. And they'll sense that and they want to be around you because they, they sense the presence of God. But once you get out of the house, sometimes it's very difficult to walk in the Spirit. The flesh, Paul says there, walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. And I believe that most of us, if not all of us here, we recognize the two. We recognize the Spirit... And we recognize the flesh also. But which is the more dominant? Which is the more dominant? Is it the spirit or is the flesh? I believe it's what you're doing at that moment. Because as I said, when I walked to Walmart and I saw the line, I could have immediately let the flesh rise out. But I left the house knowing what I was up against. And I made up my mind at that moment that I was not going to let that get to me. And so therefore I stood. And it didn't bother me one bit. But I could have walked out of there and I could have said, I'm going to wait in this line. And if anybody crosses me, they're they're in for it. And so uh, it's just, again, they're contrary to each other. See, the flesh desires to please the body. The spirit desires to honor God. Sometimes we have to separate those. We have to separate them. We have to learn how to separate them. Again, we deal with this on a daily basis. Some of you have gotten to the point, have you have learned to identify it and you've known how to control it early on without it getting to the point where you are just totally out of control. And some of us haven't. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are... I'm going to read through this list, okay? I'm going to read through this list. I think most of us know what it is. It says, the works of the flesh are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. That's probably the one that we deal with the most. Selfish ambitions. Well, that one also... Dissension, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I think the key word there is those that practice those things. Now, if for some reason you do have a problem with uh, outbursts of wrath, okay, if you have a problem with outbursts of wrath, and you've asked God to help you with that, and you deal with it on a daily basis and you begin, you, you begin to see a, a growth pattern in your own life where, where you don't deal with that on a daily basis, okay? But if you continue to practice that, see, this is, this is the word of God. And sometimes we don't take the word of God at, at its full value because simply Paul is saying here, outburst of wrath or, or selfish ambitions He says, those who practice such things, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. See, one of the areas that we quickly, quickly quote, and we make it very, very, we make a very strong uh, statement, stand on that, is homosexuality will not inherit the kingdom of God. We take a stand on that. But I want you to know that outburst of wrath is no different than living a homosexual life because this is the word of God. And so he's not saying or distinguishing one from the other and saying that's far worse than this. See, it's good. It's easy for us to judge those that are living the LGBTQ lifestyle and we can quickly say to them, look, if you continue to practice that lifestyle, well, the Bible tells us that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But I think that before you even do that, you need to look inside of you and say, do I have any outbursts of wrath and do I practice this? Because if I do practice it, then I'm in the same, same situation as that other one. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Selfish ambitions. You know, it, it, really, it really doesn't matter what people might say about us. It doesn't matter how, what people think about us. I, I think most of us, if not all of us, we, we can look inside a mirror on the morning and we look at that mirror and we say, I like what I see. I mean, we might be old and wrinkled and no hair or whatever, but there's still something on the inside of us because we like to take care of ourselves. It's, it is about ourselves. And so when he says selfish ambitions, Paul deals with a whole big old list here. And it's easy to say, well, you know what? I'm not committing adultery. I'm not committing fornication. I'm not uh, involved in sorcery or, 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 well, you know, hatred. Hatred can be a very, very tough tough uh, um, emotion to deal with. You know, if somebody does you wrong, and if you don't let go of that wrong, and you hold on to that wrong, over a period of time, guess what happens? You develop resentment, bitterness, and the more you feed the resentment, and the more you feed the bitterness, then you start hating that person. Now, let me throw this out. And maybe we need to confess about this and say, God, forgive me of it. But I could ask the question this morning, how many of us hate Nancy Pelosi? Just the name of it. Charles, uh, what's the name? Schumer. Just the name of it. Schumer. Schumer. See, we, we, we do these things, we develop these, 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 these ideas without even realizing that we're going against the word of God. Doesn't the Bible say pray for your what? For your enemies? And I know in some cases we pray God take them out of this earth. I, I, I think that's connected to a little bit of hatred there. And if we're real honest with ourselves, guys, with our present situation, with our present situation, with the elections, we can say that w- there's a lot of hatred out there with what's happened. The the, the frauds, the rig, we, we can develop a lot of hatred. And yet it says, um, Hatred is, is is one of the, the, the lusts of the flesh. He goes on to say, these are the fruits of the Spirit. We know what they are. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such. There is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh, have crucified the flesh. Now, one thing that we can say about Paul is that he learned early on how to crucify the flesh. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so he dealt with, Probably every one of these uh, things that I just mentioned as a lust of the flesh, he probably dealt with a lot of those because any time that you're thrown into prison and are being falsely accused, it's easy to be, it's hard to be in there and, and begin to write out the joy of the Lord is my strength or um, give thanks in all things. Because this is this is where Paul wrote most of his letters was from from prison. Okay? So Paul knew. He learned how to crucify the flesh. Friends, I want you to know that crucifying the flesh, even though we have the mind of Christ, we've been delivered from from, from that sinful nature. But it still requires us, every one of us, to crucify that flesh on a daily basis. And I think that the moment you sense that flesh rising up, for whatever reason, the moment you sense it rising up, it's at that moment that you take control and you say, I need to crucify this flesh. Let me just tell you that one of the best ways to crucify the flesh when you find yourself is to find yourself in an altar, whether it be in church or at home, or even if you're driving and somebody just crosses you the wrong way and you see that something's rising up in you and it's time to crucify the flesh, it's the best thing to do is just pull over and pray through it. I'm telling you right now, this flesh is a very strong agent. And the more that you give it, uh, uh, the, the more that you feed it, the more that the enemy, because he's out to kill, steal, and to destroy, the more he's going to feed that. And James talks about all that. Let's go to Romans. Are you with me this morning? Romans chapter 7. I said Paul deals a lot with this. And... In, in Romans here, 7 and 8, that we'll be reading, we'll be reading several verses. He, there's, there's so much that he says here. Uh, I'm not going to go into it um, into any depth here. Just, just kind of bring out uh, a few things. But, but again, I think it's to, to help us to recognize the reality of the flesh versus the spirit. Romans chapter 7, let me start reading with verse, uh, with verse 13. It says, Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Now here we find Paul's tongue twister. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now granted... We all know that when we were born into this world, we were born with a sinful nature. It all goes way, way, way back to, well, it was all because of Eve, we'll say. Um, and we'll blame Eve for it. Well, we'll leave Adam out of there. Adam was just a, he was just a wimp. So we know it, it goes way back there, okay? Okay. Um, I think it was Friday night. Friday night that um, um, I'm sorry. Um, get my dates here. It was Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday night. I'm sorry. Wednesday, Wednesday was Teresa's birthday, and uh, the kids came down. Uh, Grandkids came down, we had all had dinner together, and uh, Melissa and Nathan, uh, kids, they went home, and Bob and uh, Jack and Brielle, they stuck around, and we were we were playing a game there, a game, uh, I don't even know what the game is called, uh, but it's like, name three things that you will find in a church, name three things, this, and this, and this, and this, so we're going along, going along, and so, um, and at one point, uh, Brielle, I don't know where she, she comes she calls me Pata, okay? Uh, I don't know if she can't say grandpa or whatever, but Pata, I'm, I'm, I'm Pata" to her. And she says, "Pata, I, I've got one for you." And she made it up. It wasn't in one of the cards. And she says, "I got one for you, Pata. Pata, I want you to name the last three sins that you committed."
0: <gasps>
3: uh, <laughs> I thought, "What?" And so I was quick to answer. I said, the only person I tell my sins to is him, my father. <laughs> but she threw me back with that. It's like, whoa, <laughs> does she know something I don't? <laughs> so, uh, so so, so uh, it, it says here, um, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, so under sin. So we know that as a result of sin, and the fall in the garden, that we were born with a sinful nature. We all get to the point of, uh, of accountability when we know right from wrong or we know that the wrong that we're doing goes contrary to the word of God. We, we all know that, okay? Some people that are out there that have not surrendered their lives to God, they, they know that. I, I believe that nature itself speaks to them in that sense. Okay? Uh, I, I think early on we learn the difference between uh, um, good and evil. I know that uh, you you teach your kids that there's a hot stove, don't touch it because it's hot. What do they do? They go touch it. Ooh, it's hot. so so we all know this that we all of us were at a point that we had this sinful nature inside of us. It, it was a part of our lives. But somebody came and they preached the gospel to you. Somebody told you that you could be free from your sin, and they they give you the gospel. And when they give you the gospel, you are brought under conviction, not because of the person, but because of the scripture and the gospel message that's being taught or preached to you. And so you become under conviction, and you say, okay, I need to surrender my life to God. So the moment that you surrender your life to God, we know what the Bible says, that God takes your sin and he throws it into what? The sea of forgetfulness. He says your sin is as far as the east is from the west. And I think that most of us, when we experience that, I mean, some have this like road to Damascus experience like Paul did. And some don't. It's just the idea of I feel so much better now knowing that my sins have been forgiven. So you would think at that point that now that you've surrendered your love to God, now you don't have to deal with this. No, it doesn't happen that way because even at that point, you begin to deal with it even at a greater, uh, uh, it's even harder because now the enemy, uh, the the devil himself, he knows that you've surrendered your life. So what does he do? Oh, no, 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 I don't like what you've done. So he comes at you with both barrels. You have the the parable of the different types of ground, okay? There's four different types of ground, but there's only one, 25%. 25% of that ground that he talks about, it's 25% that allow the person that has given their life to Christ, that allows the word to take root. The other 75%, they run the risk of, if they don't get into the word or strengthen the relationship, they run the risk of falling by the wayside. And I think we have a lot of those today. But even the 25% that has made up their mind, they're going to uh, read, they're gonna pray, they're gonna study, they're gonna join uh, forces with, with other believers, and they're gonna be strengthened. Even that 25%, and I'm telling you right now, that just, just in the last uh, couple of months, just in the last week or so, there's been pastors that have fallen because of adultery. Pastors that have been serving for years, one that I won't say who it is, that right now basically is on a sabbatical, but this one person, this one pastor, he's gone over to Israel numerous times and done great teachings over there, and right now he's on a sabbatical because he fell, he allowed the flesh, to take control of him, he was out of control. And next thing you know, he fell from God. So it doesn't matter how many years you have behind you. It doesn't matter how strong of the word is inside of you. The flesh is there to bring you down. And we gotta deal with it. Verse 15, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. (laughs) How many of us can relate with with Paul? (laughs) Nobody wants to say I do. (laughs) I think we all do. (laughs) You know, when when we know, when when we've done something that is contrary to the word of God and, and the Holy Spirit convicts us it, it's hard to to um, um, what do you call it? it it's hard to to um, answer up to answer to that. You say to yourself after you after you've done it. You say to yourself, "Why did I do that?" You say to yourself, "I know better. I know better. Why did I do that? I hate that I did that. I hate it." but then we do it again. <laughs> we do it again. For what I will to do that I do not practice, but what I hate that I do. You know, I, I gave you the whole list of the less of the flesh and there are some there that, you know, could be tied in with some of the things that we deal with. Um, but there, there are some things that uh, and I said, we, we can probably say I haven't done any of those, but, but, what about these other things, you know, I, I started the whole message this morning with, with my experience at Walmart and, and the fact that I was, I had my flesh under control. Uh, I, I think that sometimes the, the hardest thing that we're dealing with is the, the things that, that, that we deal with on an everyday basis. Okay, Th- that that's the hardest thing. Whether it's uh, an experience at the store, an experience behind the wheel, an experience with a family member, an experience with a church member—you know these these are probably the things that we deal with the most that affect our uh, our our uh, our standing with Christ, whether we are dealing with it in the flesh or we are dealing with it in a uh, spiritual way. You know, I, I've had in the 20 years that we've been here, and we have we've had numerous boards. But I have to say to you that there's been some times that the board, the board that's supposed to be the, the nucleus of the body of Christ, that's supposed to be the more spiritual ones that are in, God has entrusted the body into, not just the pastor, but this board that we've selected, there's been some times that the flesh has taken over. In fact, I remember 20 or 18 years ago, uh, during my first, uh, um, we we were having one of our um, uh, board meetings, and um, it was two years into uh, starting the church, and uh, I I remember um, a lot of false, false information was, was being brought up. And as a result, uh, there was assistant pastors, worship leaders that were involved in this. And um, I did my best at that time to, to, to keep it all spiritual and not let the flesh get a hold of it. And it was really difficult to, to, to do that. And so uh, needless to say that a week later, after dealing with some of this, we were right here. We were meeting, meeting with, and what, the assistant pastor had the time, he just got up and walked right out and just screaming and yelling. I mean, there's no doubt that was a that was a flesh and friends. Even after that, we've had numerous times where uh, different board members have walked out, screaming and yelling, and I've followed them and screaming and yelling at them. I, I wasn't the the only. I, I wasn't innocent myself. I was just as guilty. See, once you give Satan an inch, he becomes a ruler. I hope you're listening to what I'm saying here this morning because I don't know who I'm talking to. I mean, I know that a lot of this has to do with me as well. And, and I want to be at a point where, where I begin to work on my relationship with God on a daily basis. I, I want to be like Paul over in Philippians 3.10 where he says, that I may know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to have a relationship that Isaiah had, that Jeremiah had, I want to have a relationship that Moses had with my God. I want to have my own burning bush experience where God meets me with me and then he talks to me and, and I can talk to him. I want to develop a relationship that at the moment, uh, just the thought of Jesus Christ and and my God and and the, the Holy Spirit, that there's a moving in my spirit, friends. I want to have a relationship with my God, and I want to be able to crucify this flesh, that every time that I make a move towards that relationship and the flesh rises up, I want to be able to say, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm going to develop a relationship with my God. That's what I want, and I hope that you want the very same thing. Why? Because we are living in the last days where we, the only hope that we have, the only one that we can hang on to is God himself. That's it. Paul says in verse 17, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. See, Paul knows that without the Holy Spirit, without God in our lives, this flesh is no match. We need him in our lives. We need him seven days a week We need him when we go to bed at night and just say, thank you, God, for getting me through this day. And in the mornings when we wake up, we say, God, I'm going to put on the whole armor of God because I know that the enemy is out there. He's out against me. But I'm going to put on the whole armor of God. And I'm going to be ready for anything because I know that you've got my back. But I want to develop a relationship with you throughout the day. See, I don't want to go to bed at night and have all these regrets and say, why did I do that? I know better. Why did I let that person get to me? I know better. It's paul That's what Paul is saying. Why do I do the things that I hate? And then I say, why do I do those things? It is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, in me that is in my flesh, there's nothing good that dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not, to do that I practice. Wow, Paul is giving us some pretty heavy stuff here. And he's speaking to every one of us that it doesn't matter, as I said earlier, how many years you have behind you, we're going to continue to deal with this flesh. Now, if I do what I will not do to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then, in, find then a law that is evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bring me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And look what Paul says. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Hallelujah. Let's go to Romans. Oh, that was, oh no, Romans 8. Romans 8. Well, we'll just continue reading. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what is he saying? There's no condemnation to those that are walking, what, in the Spirit. I mean, you go out, and I think that Paul is stating it right there in what I just read in the seventh chapter, and I think most of us, most of us, we, 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 when we do something that we know is contrary to God, what do we do? We, we, we put ourselves in that condemnation. Why, why, why? And the more you say, why, why? The devil works at it more. You know, I think sometimes, I may be wrong, but I think sometimes that um, the way of the Catholics makes a little bit of sense from our understanding that you commit a sin, you go to confession, You go into your little booth. The father's there. The priest is there. And what do you say? Bless me, father, for I have sinned. My last confession was last week. I confess to you that I was mean to my mom. Well, the following week, bless me, father, for I have sinned. My last confession was last week. Your sins, I was mean to my mom. And... um, I guess it depends on how many sins you have and how, 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 um, how bad they were. And I, I hate to use the word how bad they were because sin is sin. But we, we have a way of categorizing it, okay? I, I did not commit adultery, but I stole the three musketeers from Circle K. Sin is sin. So if I go in, I say, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. My last sin was last, uh, my last confession was last week. I've committed adultery. Oh, my. Go back in there and do 20 Our Fathers and five Hail Marys. And, you know, she spent the rest of the afternoon at the altar praying through all that. I stole three musketeers. Oh, my son, you're good. Go do a one Our Father and you're done. Go home. But think about it. The priest tells you to go out there and do the 20 Our Fathers physically, you're doing something, you go to the altar, you sit there, you do your 20-hour fathers, you get up and you say, oh, I feel so good. I feel so good. Honestly, it doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean a thing. It makes a little bit of sense. Because if you do something that is contrary to the word of God, and you know that it's wrong, and for the next few weeks, you beat yourself over the head and say, oh, what did I do that? What did I do that? What did I do that? And what do we have to do? We come to God. He's our advocate. He's the one that says, okay, confess your sin to me. When you confess your sin to him, he says, you're done. But the things that we have to deal with in our head, with our mind, with our own lives, sometimes it's hard to get rid of that thought of what you've done. And yet Paul says here, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? And if you're in Christ Jesus, and if you have uh, confessed your your faults or your sins, and and if you're walking in the spirit, then guess what? It's been lifted from you. He goes on to say, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Glory be to God, amen. Hallelujah! I don't know. I was, you know, as I've said before, and I'll say it again. I was just a, such a good kid growing up. I always listened to my dad, except one time, and um, I was good to my mom, except for the one time, and I was good to my kids, my kids, my 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 siblings. I was just a good kid, an all-around good kid. I went to school, and I was a good kid. I think the worst thing I ever did when I was in kindergarten is I got up from the back seat and I ran all the way to the front and I kissed this girl in the back because I liked her and I ran back to my seat. That's the worst thing I ever did. Went through middle school. I was a good kid to all the teachers. Went through high school. I was a good kid. I only, I only skipped uh, school one time. And I think they named me Louis because they knew that I was going to be a good kid and they could say, hey, he's St. Louis. I've always been a good kid, Hmm. but you know what? Those nights, those nights that I spent at Windsor door sales right there on Broadway and um, Lomas, the nights I spent putting doors together and David Fuller every night for at least an hour, hour and a half, he would preach to me. He would preach to me. And as good as I thought that I was, I came to the realization I needed Jesus Christ in my life. So it doesn't matter how good you think you are. And you have these testimonies and, you know, praise be to God. I have Albert here that, you know, uh, constantly is just giving praise to God because of where he brought him out of his alcoholism. I have Pauline here that constantly is giving praise be to God because of the dr- drug addiction. And and so, you know, it, your, your own testimony when you know that you came to God, when you came to Christ and you said, God, forgive me of my sins, that he forgave us of all our sins. I'm telling you, friends, it's a wonderful, it's a beautiful experience to know that we've been set free. We've been set free. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On the account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. And praise be to God that Jesus, when he came in the flesh and he was here on this earth for 32 years and he, he dealt with when he went into the wilderness and the and the Satan came out against him. What did he say? He said to Satan, he says, it is written. It is written over and over again. He said, it is written. And at one point he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me. That the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And so again, I believe it depends on our daily uh, walk as we wake up in the morning. What is it that we feed? Do we feed the flesh? Do we feed the flesh or do we feed the Spirit? That's all Paul is saying. Verse six, for to be carnally minded is death, but to the spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is what? It's an enemy against God. The carnal mind has a, a, a hostility towards God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can, can be. So then those who are in the flesh, listen to this, those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. Wow, go to James, I told you we're going to be doing a lot of reading today, go to James chapter 4, now I'm almost done, just got another 20 books to go through, praise be to God, James chapter, what did I say, Just chapter 4? Yeah. Chapter 4. Oh, chapter four, starting with verse one says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? So where do these wars and these fights come from? They come from the flesh. And let me give you this. I think we need to be really, really careful, okay? Real careful. These wars and these fights, those are some strong words that Paul or James is using here, wars and and fights. And they come among you. Do they not come from your your desires for for pleasures that, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. It... And I say we need to be very careful here with with verse one. There, the wars and, and the fights, the desires from that come from the desires of our of our pleasure. I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to say we need to be really careful about it. And probably the best thing at this point is to pray, pray about, pray about the whole situation that we are in right now. I kind of touched on it a little bit last week, and I'll just mention it again. Right now, the Christian community, the, the, the church itself, has formulated in their thoughts what they wish to happen in the coming months. And I'm talking about the election. I'm talking about the fraud. And I'm talking about the fact that, that, that they're saying it's rigged. I'm talking about all that, okay? Okay to be real honest with you the only resources we have to believe that the only the only one we have is what it's it's the media unless unless someone here has had a revelation directly from god that has spoken to you and has given you a vision a, a a prophetic uh utterance that lines up with God's word, other than that we keep throwing our thoughts into this and it's causing wars and it's causing fights among the Christians. Because if I say, and I've been saying it for a few weeks now that I continue to pray for the elections, I continue to pray for Donald Trump, I really do. But I've been, I've been uh, accused of Pastor, you've already given up. Well, that's not true, but I've been accused of it. You've just given up on the whole situation because of the way that I've spoken. And it's creating tension within the body of Christ. We have to be real careful about that because we have this desire inside of us that this is the way that we want it to go and you have those that have a, a different desire and it's, it's all based on the, on the flesh. And so what is it creating within the body of Christ? It's creating wars and it's creating some fights. Now they don't come out exactly and say, put them up. <laughs> but you can sense the tension that it's developing. I am looking forward to January 20th, whether it be Biden or Trump. I am looking forward to it. So friends, we can put it all behind us because up until then, it all depends on who you talk to out there. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't you dare say that. No, don't you give up on this. No, don't you give up. Friends, it's creating so much tension. You don't even want to talk about it anymore. You just want to stand where you believe what you believe. You lust and you do not have You murder, verse 2. You covet and cannot obtain You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not seek. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? James uses some very powerful words there. He's calling them adulterers. But friends, let's be, let's, let's be real with this. What is an adulterer? An adulterer is one that has been unfaithful to their spouse. And for the last two weeks, I've been talking about idols and false gods. And what has the church done? They are having, and he's saying, enmity with the world Uh, Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Friendship with the world. Where is the church? They are hand in hand with the world. And so what is the church doing? The church, friends, is having an affair. Having an affair with the world. Oh, my pastor, why do you have to go there? Because this is the reality of where the church is at. And unfortunately, pastors are not preaching that. Do you not know that friendship with the world? You know, and I'm not going to go into it, how we see that there's that friendship. But the world's standards and values are so contrary to the word of God. And yet we have people that are holding hands with those standards and those values of uh, the world. I'll say no more. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. These are some strong words that James is talking about, guys. And yet we we just bypass all that and we, we just kind of skip over it. But yet these are some very strong words. Why? Well, he goes on he says, Do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? And we know that God says, I am a jealous God. He says, I want you to serve me with everything that is within you, with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He wants every part of our being. And the moment that we hold hands with the world, he becomes very jealous and he says, I don't want you there. I want you to separate yourself. Come out from among them. But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but but God gives uh, grace to the humble. Then what does he say in verse seven? He says, therefore submit to God. Submit to God and resist the devil. If you resist the devil, he's going to flee from you. And then the verse, verse 8, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God. That is what he wants us to do right now. If we draw near to God, he's going to expose our thoughts. He's going to expose our pleasures. He's going to expose all that, that when he exposes all those things, we can lay them at the altar and say, God, deliver me from all these things. So what does it mean to draw close to God? Let's go over to Exodus once again. Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33. 33, and let me start reading with verse, uh, verse 10 here. It says, all the people saw the pillar of cloud. What was the pillar of cloud? It represented the presence of God. How did Moses meet with prior to the tabernacle being built with God? He had a tent and he had and he called it his tent meeting with God. He would go in there, the pillar of uh, uh, cloud would come and and just be hover over that tent. And it it was it was uh, evidence to the people around there that the presence of God was there with 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 Moses. And so this is what's happening here in verse 10. And it says all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshipped each man to his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua. The son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Why do you suppose he did not depart from the tabernacle? Because he didn't want to get away from the presence of God. Whatever was happening inside the tent, Joshua was saying, I can't get away from this. Friends, oh, if we could just have the presence of God here so, so real that when we're in that presence, that when 12 o'clock comes around, you're saying, I just can't leave. I can't leave. I'm in the presence of God right now, and I can't leave. Are you kidding me? When 12 o'clock comes around, everybody scatters out of here so quickly, and I'm wondering to myself, do we really experience the presence of God? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Joshua didn't want to leave. I'm reminded of when we were in Israel. Oh, my, we were at the uh, we were at the tomb. And they let you in two or three at a time. I know it was Theresa and Marianne, I think uh, uh, Pauline was there with them. I went in, spent a few minutes there, looked around. But when Theresa and Marianne and Pauline walked in there, Man, they 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 felt such a presence in there. And the people were starting to gather on the outside wanting to get in there. And at one moment, at one time I went in there, I says, babe, babe, I says, you guys need to come out. There's people. I couldn't get their attention. I could not get their attention. And I went in there several times and I said, look, you need to come out. There's people out here wanting to go in there. What they sensed in there was a presence of the Lord Jesus Christ that had been laid there, his body. I couldn't get him out of there. I finally managed to get him out of there. And they can tell you themselves what they experienced. See, this is pretty much what what Joshua was experiencing when he was inside that tent of meetings with. I'll tell you that there's been a few times where I've been in the presence of God all by myself. And I just enjoy it so much. I love it. I think that needs to be an ingredient for our lives from this point until the Lord comes for us every day that we need to find that time in God's presence. And I'm not talking about five, 10 minutes. I'm talking about a good amount of time. Let me read a little further here because this gets even better. Verse 12, then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You know I just before I continue reading you've made you, you've heard me mention Sister MacDougall many times Sister, Sister MacDougall was just a beautiful, beautiful Christian lady that oh my gosh, I'll just never forget the life that she had. I don't know Joel Lopita remember Sister MacDougall from Valley Gospel, uh, but this lady uh, I, I just just love the way she would pray. she'd just be oh, glory to God oh, she'd do that so beautifully oh. And I'll never forget the day that I was on a Sunday morning. I was in a uh, a pew just in this area right here. And I was there. And I was seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I really wanted to be baptized with the evidence, with the evidence of, of speaking in tongues. I was really, and Sister MacDougall comes up to me and, and she just laid her hands over me and she just began to pray over me. And next thing you know, there was something that just came upon me. And next thing you know, I'm being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And this lady, she was just a beautiful, Beautiful, beautiful. It was obvious the relationship that she had with God. It was obvious that she talked to God on a daily basis because anytime you came close to her, there was a sense of God's presence in her. Hallelujah. Moses wants the same thing. He said, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said, verse 15, he said to him, If your presence doesn't go with us, do not bring us up from here. We were at our daughter's on Thursday that evening. Later on, Bob showed up and Jacqueline. And, uh, you know, my daughter, every once in a while, finds these songs that she just falls in love with. And she found this one, it's in Spanish. Oh, I don't know if I can remember how it's. conmigo. Oh my, what a song, beautiful song. It's the same thing that Bolsa that is saying, if your presence doesn't go with me, I, I don't wanna go. Bob listens to it. and Melissa's got her piano there and next thing Bob gets behind the piano. He's playing it, playing some songs. Next thing, Melissa comes up next to him. And she gives him the words to that song, and Bob begins to play it on the piano, and he begins to sing it, and she begins to sing it. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter where you're at. You can be at a family gathering and you just call on the Lord Jesus Christ and you just say, God, I want to be in your presence. Next thing you know, just singing a song like that, just seeing your son and your daughter there, worshiping God and just praying, uh, just singing out. And all I can sit there with my mouth open, not just seeing them, but knowing that I'm sensing the presence of God. Friends, I want you to know the Holy Spirit wants to come back into the church. We don't need to leave them out there. We need to open the doors wide open and say, Holy Spirit, you're welcomed in this. Place, and without your presence, we can't do anything. Moses knew that. He knew that. Verse 16, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate. Your people and I from the people, your, your, your people and I from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please, show me, show me your glory. Friends, let me ask you, when was the last time that you were at an altar at home or wherever, and you're just with your hands lifted up, and you're saying, God, show me your glory? Are we really crying out to him? For material things? Or are we saying, God, show me, show me your glory? Moses, I can just I just can imagine what, what what he was what he was going there. Verse 19, then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, nor man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by, that I'm my that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will see, then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back and my face shall not be seen. Wow. Why do I bring all that up? Because the easiest way to combat that flesh is to be and to call for his glory and to say, God, I want to see your glory. I want to be in your presence. Because anytime you're in the presence of God, the spirit begins to move and stir inside of you. And the spirit begins to take control. And the the flesh just dies away. That's why we want the presence of God. One last scripture over in the 34th chapter. Let me read with verse 29. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. What was showing upon his face? The glory of God. God. You imagine me walking in here one Sunday morning and all you can see is the glory of God. I believe that if you were to see that, all you would be able to do is bow down before, not me, but the glory of God. Friends, why are we not there? Are we not giving enough time? Are we led by this flesh too much? Are we so carnally minded? Have we really become enemies of God because we've become so close? Friends, we need to strip it all away. And the only way we can strip it is by calling on God's glory and allowing his presence to fill us to the point that it changes our countenance. Hallelujah. Where was I? 35, 34, where was I? 34, 32. Afterwards, the children of Israel came near and gave them as commandments that all the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. Whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. you imagine that? He had to put a veil. His veil. And just like Sister MacDougall, it was her countenance. Brother Frank Vink, I don't know if you remember Frank Vink, what a beautiful, beautiful man. Had a, a love for kids and was a, a children's director there. You could walk up to this man and you can just sense the presence of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me close with this. The wolf you feed. I'll close with this old Cherokee legend. It's loaded with truth. Once an old man and his grandson were walking through the woods when the grandfather turned to the young man and said, Young one, inside all of us there is a battle raging between two wolves. You have felt it even in your young years, and I have felt it all my life. One of the wolves is evil he's anger, envy, greed, regret, arrogance, resentment, lies, hatred, and ego. The other is good. He is love, joy, peace, hope, humility, kindness, empathy, generosity, compassion, truth, and faith. Everyone has this battle going on inside them. They walked a little further in silence until the young boy stopped and asked, Grandfather, which wolf will win? The wise old man simply replied, The one that you feed. The one that you feed. Friends, I believe that we... I've gotten too close to this world, and we need to let it go, and we need more of God in our lives. God wants to get his bride ready, but the only way to get the bride ready is to crucify this flesh and desire a walk with God. Father, we come before you this morning, and we're so thankful for your word, your word that speaks to us. And I trust this morning that as they walk out of here. Let that word fall upon good ground. And throughout this coming week, Father, not only they, but myself, we're going to say, God, exposing me, exposing me the works of the flesh. Holy Spirit, convict me of those things that I do that offend you, that grieve you. Father, I want to develop a relationship with you. And I want to be just like Moses. I want you to show me your glory. And I want your presence to go with me wherever I go. Father, prepare your bride in the months to come to be ready, ready without spot and without wrinkle, without blemish. Get us ready for that time, Father. And in the meantime, we know. We know that the flesh is warring against the spirit, let the spirit rise as we feed it, your word, communion, relationship with you, so that we can stand and be counted as one that is fighting for the faith and being an example, a light and the salt that is out there to represent you in a way that brings honor and glory to your name. Father, I pray this in your name. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance, and he will give you his peace. Amen, amen. God bless you guys don't run out of here so quickly <laughs> talk to somebody and then uh, we'll see you guys wednesday for prayer if not next sunday god
0: bless we love your prayers we love your prayers holy spirit come. Come and move